Let's go before the Lord and ask him to bless our time tonight. Oh, Father, we say thank you. Salvation is a gift from above that you and you alone give. And you gave it to a lot of people this weekend. And we are so thankful that we deaden our sin, could not do a single thing to save ourselves, couldn't do enough good works, couldn't do enough good things, but you pulled us out of the pit and you set us free and you gave us heaven, life in that abundantly. We praise you for that. We give you all praise and honor tonight for that. Be glorified as we open your word and study. Open our eyes to see you clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, open to Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah was a prophet, right? When did God call Jeremiah? Come on, the stats. I know you know these things. I told you last week. When did God call Jeremiah? What age? Anyone? Before he was born, that's right. And when did God anoint him to start his ministry? At age 30. About 30 years old he was. Remember the same age Jesus was, remember? Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. Jeremiah, remember he was a young boy. 30. Isn't that great? I'm not 30 yet. Yes! still call myself a little boy. I like to play in the mud. It's fun. Serving the Lord's better. Riding dirt bikes, doing all that stuff. Jeremiah started his ministry young. And do you remember what he said in Jeremiah chapter 1? Lord, I can't speak. I'm a child. They're not going to listen to me. God said, you will go to the nation. For I have ordained you as a prophet to this nation before the day you were even born, I ordained you. And set you apart in your mama's belly. I set you apart. Did you know God had a plan for you before you were even born? Isn't that great? You're sitting there in your mama's stomach, growing, doing your thing, kicking and just having a blast. And God's like, I have a plan for you. Yeah, that's right. You're going to come to know me as Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to use you to further my kingdom in powerful ways. I have a specific plan for your life. Before you had one day, I knew all your days. All of them. Every, isn't that incredible? Every single one. He knew this day for you too. Do you know that? He knew it already. You're all stressed out about something, wondering how it's going to work out, wondering whether or not God's going to take care of you and work things out. It's like I already knew that day. Knew that day Millions of years ago knew it. For there is never time when God starts to know something. Did you know that? He's always known all things. There's never a time when all of a sudden he says, wow, I learned something. I, I learned something new. I, I saw a day. No, he's always known. How do we understand that? You can't. Because everything that you learn, you begin to know at a certain period, don't you? But God is always known. He is all-knowing. And God knew all Jeremiah's days just as he's known all of your days. So, hey, when you're pacing around wondering what's going to happen, God's not worrying. You don't need to worry. He knows. He knows all your days. He knows if I'm going to live to be 87. Did you know that? He knows if I'm going to live to be 87 in two months and four days and two hours. 
in 30 seconds. He knows. He knows the exact moments of my days. He knew Jeremiah's and he ordained him as a prophet. Interesting that he ordained him as a prophet because how many people, what is it, wait, wait, let's, let's analyze. What does a prophet do first? They're called to speak truth to the nation, right? They're called to speak for God to the nation, right? So if you were a prophet to America, what would you do? You speak the truth of God to America, right? God was speaking through you. You would go around speaking the truth of God. And you would think that people would hear the voice of God and turn to God, huh? How many people came to know God when in Jeremiah's time? How many turned to him? How many? Zero. Not even one. For how many years did Jeremiah preach? Come on. How many years? Forty-two. Forty-two. Bible students. You guys are slacking, all right? Number one, he was around 30 years old when he started, okay? Number two, how many people came to know Christ or God? None. Not even one turned to God. And how many years did he preach for? 42. 42 years. And not one person turned to God. We will look at another time again tonight where Jeremiah will speak the truth, but guess what? The people will not repent. Isn't that sad? Look at it with me. Jeremiah chapter 42, starting in verse 1. You there? Then all the captains of the forces and Johanan, the son of Korea, that's where the nation came from. Just kidding. <laughs> and Jezaniah, it's terrible, huh? The son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least even to the greatest came near, okay? So here comes everyone. Here comes all the people that are left there in Judah. Remember, many had gone off to captivity. You remember? Slavery. They've been taken away. And these are the left, the ones that are left there in Judah, from the least even to the greatest. So you got the, uh, the head of the tribe all the way down to the little boy who had just been born sitting in his mom's arms. From the greatest to the least, all the people come, the chiefs, the servants, you name it, they're there. And look at what happens. They say unto Jeremiah, the prophet, they say this, Let we beseech thee, our supplications be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. Stop there. They come to Jeremiah, all this people, all this group. There's Jeremiah the prophet. Remember, he's been walking around preaching. He's been walking around sharing the truth, and no one's been listening to him. And so, the people walk up, and what do they say? We beseech thee. Almost like they're begging, huh? Coming like, please, listen to us, Jeremiah. Please, listen to our supplication. Accept it. Please, pray for us unto the Lord God. They come to him begging and pleading, please, Jeremiah, go talk to God for us. Go give a prayer for us. Interesting that they can't talk to God themselves. It's probably because there's sin in the way. They haven't sacrificed in a while. They haven't come before the Lord, their God, in a long time. 
But they come to Jeremiah and they cry out and say, pray for us. Look what they say, verse 3. Pray that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. Or translation, Jeremiah, pray and ask God where we should go and what we should do. You hear that? Where we should go and what we should do. Jeremiah, go ask God where we should go and what we should do. And that's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? Asking God every day where you should go and what you should be doing. How many Christians actually pray that prayer daily? Father, what do you have for me today? Where do you want me to go? My life is completely yours. I am not here for me, but I'm here for you. Hey, that sounds like a great prayer, doesn't it? A lot of times our prayers are what? God, give me this. God, do that. God, help me here. God, carry me through this. Which is okay to pray, but we need to remember as I am trying to change your mind day after week after month after year, that we are not here for ourselves. We are here for God. Do you know that? That God is not your butler? Do you know that? You know Jesus isn't your servant? Do you know that? We kind of treat him that way sometimes, huh? Give me this, help me with that, do this for me. God, you got to do this, help me with that. Please deliver me here, do that and do this. Wait a minute. Who's the king? Jesus is king, and you are his servant. Yeah, you are his butler. And that's what it means to be a Christian, to serve the living God, to bow the knee to him and to minister to him all the days of your life. Did you know that? If I was your king, you would minister to me, and you would serve me, and you would fight for me, and you would live for me and what I want every single day, huh? I could say anything and you would do it. And you'd bow to me and say, yes, your majesty, huh? I'd say, that's right. We're off with your head, right? I mean, I could call you out and dismiss you from my presence in an instant. You would fear me and you would walk according to my ways in my kingdom. But guess what? I'm blessed to know, and I'm sure you are too, that I am not king, but Jesus is. And we are to be serving him and asking him what daily? Father, where would you have us to go? What would you have us to do? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Maybe we need to pray it right now. Because maybe you haven't prayed it in a long time. We need to ask God from our hearts, Father, what would you have me to do? Where do you want me to go? You see that? You, you, you see the way we offer ourselves unto him? Lord, this is for you. not from, It's all about you. It's not about me. Let's pray. Father, hear us. Lord, look, your people's heads are bowed to you. Father, look, the people's hearts are bowed before you because we are recognizing that you are the great and mighty king 
of the universe, of all things. Lord, every animal bows to you. Every tree and plant bows to you. Every fish, whale, doesn't matter what it is in the sea, bows the knee to you. All of creation gives you praise. And we are coming to you in this moment. Family, come with sincere hearts. Father, we come to you in this moment and we ask you, where would you want us to go? Ask the Lord. Ask him. Father, what do you want us to do? Father, we choose to pray this prayer in our lives today, tonight, right now. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Every single moment, God, lead, guide, and direct our lives for the rest of our lives. Every single moment, Lord, we will go where you want, and we will do what you want because you are our king. You are the master, and we are your slave. We obey your commands, Father, because we love you. You've laid down your life for us. You deserve all. We give ourselves up to you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that's the Christian life. Did you know that? That's what walking with Jesus means. Jesus can be your homeboy, but you better bow the knee to him every day. You don't like slap it up with the Lord like, yo, Lord, what's up, man? Yeah, everything's cool. And then, and then all of a sudden, you recognize who he really is, and you kind of get on the ground, and you're like, hey, Lord, yeah, everything's cool. Yeah, I bow before you because he is the, he is the righteous one. He is the creator. We've got to recognize that, and we've got to be praying that prayer. These people actually asked Jeremiah to pray this prayer for them. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be awesome if you guys chanted in one voice, Josh, pray that prayer for us. Go ask God what you want us to do. Go ask God what he wants us to do. Go talk to him for us. Go ask him what the direction is for this group. Oh, what a blessing. Wouldn't that be amazing if the congregation of a church did that for a pastor? They all came together and they shouted in one voice. Maybe they had a representative come forth. Pastor, please go seek the Lord and tell us what you want us to do and where you want us to go. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, then when it came down to um, bringing in an offering or money for a building project, hey, it'd be taken care of in a second, wouldn't it? Just like Moses, he goes up to the mountain, he comes down, and he says what? The Lord has said that we are to build him a tabernacle, and we need this, 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 and this. The word of the Lord is this. Go and bring your gold. Go and bring your wood. Go and bring your fabric. Go and bring everything that you have. You come and bring everything that you have, and you're going to offer it unto the Lord, and all the people chant, say, yes, that's the word of the Lord. We're doing it. Man, when a pastor stands in the pulpit these days, it's like, uh, hey, um, we can't, we can't, it'd be real great. You know, It's a blessing to serve. And, uh, you know, it'd be really great because we need help in the children's ministry and we're really getting low on help. You know, it'd just be a great thing for you guys to get involved. Wouldn't it be great, man, if the, if the congregation was coming, Pastor, what do you want us to do? Let us know. And he says, we need help in the children's ministry and we need 20 representatives right now. Who's going to volunteer? And the 30 go up. And man, we can't, we, we got to stop people from vacuuming the, the church because it's been vacuumed like 20 times. Listen, no more vacuuming, okay? No more. 
No more. There's too much service going on here. We don't need. I just want to serve. I just want to help in the children's ministry. Sir, you cannot help in the children's ministry. You have to wait till next week. No, I want to serve. I want to help. You're going to let me usher. I'm going to usher today. You know, you're not, sir. You're not going to usher because we have too many ushers, all right? Stop giving. The banks can't take any more money. We have too much in the bank. We don't even know what to do with it. We don't need you to give anymore. Hold back. Father, tell me where you want me to go. Show me what you want me to do. Oh, it's a prayer that we like to pray, but when it comes down to it, God's going to challenge you in that. He will challenge you even tonight. I want you to do this. I want you to go there. How many will listen? There aren't many. There's only one Moses. You know why? Because he listened. There are very few who will part Red Seas in our days. Because just as these people, you will see, look at them crying out, weeping. We beseech thee, prophet. Hear our supplication. Pray for us. And you know what they will do? When Jeremiah tells them what to do, they will turn their face from God. Watch and see. Look at verse 4. Jeremiah says to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Isn't that great? He says, okay, people, you want to know where you're going to go? You want to know what you're going to do? Okay, I'm going to pray. But listen, I'm going to tell you exactly what the Lord says, and I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to give you the bad and the ugly. I'm going to give you the good and the, I'm going to give you everything. We love to hear the good news, huh? What if God said, through you, Joshua, I'm going to bring thousands to know Jesus Christ through you. I'd say, yes, Lord. You're going to use me in that way? Yes. But the way that I'm going to do it is by taking your wife from you one day and giving you cancer on top of that. Would we praise God and chant his name then? You see, we love to pray and ask for the great things to happen in life. But when God says the real, when God is honest with us, sometimes we don't like to hear. We don't like to listen, huh? He says, I desire to bless you, but you have to cut that off in your life. And you say, it's hard. I can't cut this one off, Lord. How can I have my hand of blessing upon you? How can I minister to you? I'm reading a book by Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, had Spurgeon. It's called Lecture to My Students. And he writes about how God desires to use preachers all around. But he cannot use them because they do not live holy lives. And if there is not a holy life being lived, the passion will not ever pour through the microphone. The actions will never be seen by the people. The people will look right through the pastor. It will be dead. There will be nothing there to offer. 
He said there are many preachers preaching the gospel. But he said preaching the gospel is like this. It's like water running through pipes. And if you do not keep the pipes clean, the gospel cannot go out. And if the pipes are not clean within the life, how can the word of God flow through you? If the holiness is not there, how can God use such a person? He has to sit there and allow you to be worked on for years, months, and day upon day, chiseling away until you submit to his authority, and then he can finally begin to use you. Man, only if I would have given all of my life to God when I was 17. All of it. As much as I do now, what if I was doing then what I'm doing now? Oh, God, what could he have done with me? All the kids in high school, what kind of impact I could have made? Even through my college years, man, what more of an impact I could have made? By saying, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Give me the bad, the ugly, and the good. You bring it all to me, Father. Show me what I need to do. With an honest heart, laying my life down before Him. That's what God has called us to. Look what these people are asking. And Jeremiah says, okay, I'm going to tell you. But when I tell you the bad, don't be bummed. When I tell you what you need to do, don't be angry. I wish I could look into each one of your lives and just tell you straight up what you need to do what you need to stop doing or what you need to start doing in order to take your walk to the next life, the next level in life. I wish I could do it. but it, Unless God gives me a word of wisdom or a word of, word of knowledge for your life, I can't. But you may know what that thing is. And God may be speaking to you loud and clear about what you need to be doing, yet you are being disobedient. How can God use a man? How can God use a woman if we are not fully submitted to him, taking in everything that he says? He says, I will keep nothing back from you, verse 4. Look at verse 5. Then they said to Jeremiah, the people actually say this. This is incredible. They say, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not even, according to all things, for the for though which the, the Lord, thy God, shall send thee to us. King James, a little difficult. Said the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. That we would do all that he says. Verse 6, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we, what does it say? We what? We will obey. Whether it be good or evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we s- send thee that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. You see that? They say straight up, whether it be good or evil, we will obey the Lord. Now, now, we know that the Lord does not do evil. He cannot, for God is good. He is truly good to the core. Did you know that? He is truly good to the core. And so if you think that God is doing something to you in your life that you think is evil, and if you ever perceive God to be doing something evil, looking at him, a lot of people think, God's evil. No, he's not. Yeah, how could a God of love send people to hell? 
Well, number one, uh, the Bible never says anywhere that he sends people to hell. It actually says um, that hell was made for the devil and his fallen angels. And it actually says that those who reject him will be subject to damnation, right? And it actually says that he desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Now, even the doctrine of predestination or election states specifically salvation being something, a work of the Lord, where he, yes, elects and grabs and pulls too, but it does not ever say anywhere that he elects someone to hell or damnation specifically. Interesting. He makes vessels for honor and vessels for wrath. Yes, he does. But there is nowhere specifically when speaking about election or predestination that you will find the word damnation because predestination and election always side towards salvation. Why do I say that? Because God is desiring, no matter what we perceive of him, for us to see that he is ultimately good at all times. So, when something happens to you in your life, and you don't like it, you've got to understand that God's intentions are what? Good. When is it good? All the time. All the time God is good. He never stops being good. He doesn't know how to do wrong. And so you may think that the worst thing has happened in your life, like my mother dying when I was eight years old. Wow, what a tragic thing. Yeah, it was very difficult and hard for me and my family. I just heard the story recently from my father of what had really happened deep in his own heart and soul. How he grieved for years, but he had no one to talk to about it. No one. How could God take something like that and turn it for good? Oh, he has in powerful ways. You have no clue how many people I can look in the face and say, my mom died when I was eight years old. I know what you're going through. You have no idea the skills that I've acquired and developed because basically I had no one to raise me. I had to do a lot on my own. And you should see the character that has been built inside me and my brothers. Me and my brothers who just just good kids. Like, sure, we did a lot of wrong and goofed off and... and but we just never wanted to hurt anybody or do anything wrong. A tragedy like that really breaks a person or hardens them very, very, very hard. And it worked for the good in our lives, that's for sure. God did great things. And so the things that seem to be evil in our lives are always good when God is working. God will never allow, good quote, God will never allow evil in your life unless he's going to turn it for good. He will never... For the Christian, he will never allow evil in your life unless he will turn it for good. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that great? What a promise. Romans 8.28, you know it well. That God will cause all things to work together for good. To those who are called according to his purpose, and those that's us. Those who love him. And so, the people are saying here, O faithful and true witness, whether it be good or evil, Whatever it is, we will obey the voice of the Lord. Even if it seems wrong to us. Hey, 
If you come across something in the Bible you don't like or you think is wrong, you know what you need to do? Change your mind. Because you're wrong. No, I'm not. I know what's right. Oh, do you really? Did your mama have to teach you what's right or what's wrong? Oh, she had to teach you what's right because you don't know what's right. Only God knows what's right. And God does right all the time. And so even when you think you're right and you are objecting the living God, you better be careful for he is right at all times. And if your right contradicts his right, you're wrong. Every time. And so even in the Old Testament, a lot of people say, this faithful and true witness, how could he allow Joshua and his army to move through a, a whole nation and kill men, women, and children? How could he do that? That's, an, that's a crazy question. It's one that Eve, I, it challenged me and even brought me to my knees a long time ago. But when you understand that God is true and just and right in all of his ways, and when my mind doesn't understand why God was doing that work there, I choose to trust him because everything that he does is good and right. And when we get to heaven and we see that, we will see that he is right and true in all of his ways. Now you could argue it all you want if you so choose. But if God is God and you are not, then that means you are his creation and he's God You have to submit to his authority. Bottom line, what are you going to do? Shake your fist at God? You'll lose. I will not lose. For I will submit to the authority of the great king. I will obey him whether it be good or evil. As these men say, isn't this crazy how far these people are going? Right? They go to Jeremiah. Pray for us. We will do whatever God says. Whether it be good or evil, we will obey. Go and ask him what we should do and where we should go. Asking all these questions. And look what Jeremiah, what happens with Jeremiah. It says in verse 7, you there? And it came to pass after how many days? Ten days. Isn't that great? How long did Jeremiah go seek the Lord for? Ten days. Isn't that awesome? Jeremiah, go get the word of the Lord for us. Okay, I'll be right back. Ten days. I bet the people thought just like you and me do that as soon as you pray, God's going to pull through. Ten days. Ten days. For some of you, that prayer that you're praying is going to be ten years. Did you know that? Are you okay with that? You've got to be okay with that. You've got to trust God's plan. You've got to recognize that he has a plan for you. He knows all your days. He's numbered them. He knows what he's doing. Father knows best. He's doing good in your life. And you say, Lord, I need this now. I know I need this now. This has got to happen right now. I need this now. This has got to happen now. God says, 10 days, I will tell you. God says, 10 months, I will tell you. God says, 10 years, I will tell you. God's timing is the best timing, huh, family? You've got to be down with that. You've got to recognize that. But aren't you happy to see that Jeremiah the prophet went and sought God for 10 days? When's the last time you sought God for 10 days? 
you've got a big issue going on in your life and you need an answer, go fast and pray for 10 days. Every time something crazy went down or something needed to happen in the New Testament, you see the apostles always what? Fasting and praying. I love my buddy Eddie, man. It was awesome. Just for sake of illustration. He was dating this girl and he's just like asking all the brothers. He's calling us. You know, he was one of my guys that was in Mexico with me. And we had like 22 guys in Mexico. We retreated away for four months under this pastor and he poured his life into us. And I became brothers with these guys. And Eddie was calling guys and just like, man, you know, I just, I got to know, you know, I, I, this is a big decision. I got to know if, you know, I'm supposed to marry this girl or not. I just don't know what to do. And I, you know, I just really want to know. I got to seek the Lord. So what did he do? He went in his closet. Yeah, he opened the door, he walked in his closet and closed it, and he'd been praying and fasting in there. He'd just been praying and fasting and praying and fasting, and God had given him the answer, spoke clearly to him. He married that girl. And uh, I just praise God for it, you know, because it doesn't matter what it is, whether the rent's due, or you got to make a job decision, or, you know, you got family problems, whatever it may be in your life, you got a decision to make. Fast and pray about it. And let God speak to you in a powerful way. You know? Fasting is showing that you're dead serious about what you're doing. Shows God you're dead serious. And number two, it gets your, your flesh out of the way of the spirit. When you starve the flesh and your flesh is screaming out, you say, you quiet down. You listen to me. You're not going to eat McDonald's right now. You let it know. I want a double cheeseburger. You're not getting one. I want a fry. Not getting fries. We're going to pray. You do something like that, hey, stuff's going to happen. If you have sin problems, you can't get away from sin. There's some issue that you're dealing with over and over. I dare you to fast. Why, Josh? Start fasting. Get your body in check. So when your body wants to do something like throw a fit or get angry or look at something it shouldn't, or cry out for something, you've been practicing day after day how to get it in check. You tell it no. You know what I'm talking about? Watch this. Here's a cheeseburger, and I say no. Cheese- no. No. No, 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 no. You, know, it's, you let your body know that you're in control. You control it. You have problems with waking up in the morning? Tell your body no a couple times. Start telling it no at one after another. And so it starts listening to you. And then, hey, when sin comes your way and you look at it in the face and say, no, absolutely, no, you will not. You want to break out in anger right now? You're not going to do it. You want to break out in the flesh right now? Not going to happen because my body's under control, self-control. It's going to God in seriousness, prayer and fasting. You got a big decision, go to God and pray. Ten days he went. Isn't that incredible? Ten days. Oh. oh, I need ten days. You know? Ten days to seek the Lord. My buddy Christian up in Canada, he takes his tent on his back, goes up to the mountain for the weekend by himself, and just prays with Father. Isn't that great? Spends time with the Lord for the whole weekend. The last time you took a vacation with God. I think it's about time. I think you're overdue. Me too. It's about that time. Ten days he sought the Lord. 
Mm. For you ministers, be patient about what you give to people. Don't speak out unless you have the word of the Lord, you know? A lot of people just speak out thinking they have the wisdom. Careful. Careful. Seek God first for 10 days and then come back. Yeah. Today I saw something on Facebook. Someone who used to walk with the Lord. I saw this image and it just like blew me away. And I was just like, I mean, I was so ticked. I was going to call it out and just lay the smack down like on there. Just like, I'm so sad for you. And I'm praying for you. My heart is broken. It's like, I can't believe that the enemy has ripped you off this far. I mean, I just wanted to lay it down. And I felt the spirit of God just say, no, you're not going to do that. It's not the time. I was like, Lord, I need to say something. I got to make my point, man. I got to lay it down right now. No, you're not. No, you're not going to do it. Okay. I think it's because the Lord is, again, I wanted to reach out in wrath, but God was trying to give me a heart of compassion. So that when the time comes to minister to that person, it's in love. Understand? Ten days is needed. Time is needed in prayer. And Jeremiah went and sought for ten days, and yep, he got the word of the Lord. It says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan, the son of Koreah, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, remember? And he said to these people, he brings them back. I bet you they were so anxious, huh? They thought it was going to be something wonderful. Look what happens. And said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, unto whom you sent me to present your supplication before him, if you will still abide in this land, then will I build you, and not put you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from this land. I'm sorry, from his hand. He says the word of the Lord. This sounds like good news, doesn't it? Man, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to lay a foundation. I'm going to plant you deep. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a cool phrase there in verse 10? You see that? Maybe some of you need to underline that. That's a word for you. If you will abide in this land, then will I build you, not put you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. God will build you, plant you, and build you up. Isn't that great? Maybe there's some of you tonight, you've been pulled right out of the ground. You need to be planted back in tonight by God, and you need to allow him to build you. I felt the Lord this last week chanting in my ears, and I still feel him chanting, Joshua, you need to come away with me. You haven't been alone with me for a while. You haven't really sought my face. Yeah, sure, you carry on conversation with me all day, but you haven't really come and spent time with me. And I, and I was about to leave even today to come teach a study, and I just had to stop. You know when you've got to do that? Stop what you're doing, and you just got to get on your knees. you just got to start talking to the Lord and just opening your heart and just being quiet before him, listening to his voice, letting him minister to you. Many of you tonight need to be planted by the Lord and need to be built up. 
You need to get alone with Jesus. You need to get in that land and stay there. The promised land of Christ. God says to these people, if you stay in my land, I'll build you up and I will plant you and I will protect you from the king of Babylon. I will deliver you from his hand. Verse 12, and I will show you mercies. I will, sh- I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. Interesting. Mercies. Like, that's a whole sermon right there too. On the fact that God can cause a man to have mercies upon another. It's incredible. Look at verse 13. But if you say, here it is. Here's the but. Here's the bad news. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, there we will dwell. And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your face to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, there it shall come to pass that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there you shall die. Do you see that? Stop there. So God says, look, if you stay in this land, here's the word of the Lord. Jeremiah is speaking. Here, this is what he says. People, if you stay in the land which I have brought you to, if you stay in Judah, if you stay in Judah, I will take care of you, I will plant you, I will build you, and I will protect you from the king. But if you walk away from this land, if you go to Egypt, if you go to Egypt for any reason, even to say, but there's food there, even to say, but we don't want to hear the trumpet anymore. Even to say, there's land there and there's property and opportunity there for any political or spiritual reasons. If you go there for any reason, God says, I will take everything from you. And you will end up dying by the sword. Egypt is a picture of what in the Bible? Sin and the world. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, right? He has delivered us from sin. He has delivered us from the world, from that lifestyle. And for you to go back into that lifestyle, go back into that world, you know what will happen to you? You will surely die. It will destroy you. I have another buddy who had been here in this study and even around the church for a long time, and he has completely forsaken God for the college scene And he is walking in madness, partying and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and uses this excuse like it doesn't make sense to me anymore. One of the most on-fire guys I've ever seen. How did this happen? He did not listen to the word of the Lord. The Lord told him clearly, do not go back into Egypt. I have delivered you from that. Paul says, did you know that? Paul says in the New Testament, if a believer who has been saved from the world goes back into the world, It is basically twice as hard for him to come back to know Christ. Do you know that? You walk away from God and it's going to be twice as hard for you to get back to the place that you're at right now. Want to know why? Because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And then you walk into the world and say, oh, this is even better. You deceive yourself. You deceive yourself. 
to think, ooh, Egypt is so much fun. You were in slavery for 400 years. Ooh, Egypt is so much fun. I want to go there. I remember when we had lots of food to eat. Yeah, they worked us like slaves, but man, the food was great. You fool. What are you thinking? Maybe the world is tempting you even now tonight. Maybe you say, man, I remember, you know, when I used to drink with my friends. Man, we used to laugh so much. It was so much fun. Man, I used to love the old lifestyle with my, my girlfriend, you know, when we used to mess around all the time. Man, I love the lifestyle, just the party scene, just that live action, just having fun, the dance, all this stuff. You forget about all the depression that came along with it. You forget about all the fights and relationships you brought and how much money you wasted on alcohol and stupid stuff that gives you nothing. You say, Egypt is so much fun. Look what the people are doing. God says, if you do this, you will die. You will surely die. And is that not true for the believer? It's the saddest thing in the world, huh? Could you imagine me running from God and living in the world? What if you saw me at a party or something? Would that not be the saddest thing you've ever seen? Me back in Egypt. Hey, guys, look at me. I'm in slavery. Everything's fun. Yeah. And I've convinced myself. And you come up and try to exhort me. And I'm like, get out of my face, man. This is awesome. I'm convinced. I'm playing in the mud again, and God's saying, I want to take you on a trip around the world again, Josh. I'm like, nah, this mud is great, man. I love mud. Playing this stuff all day. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. That's what happens right here. Look at verse 17. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. Wow. Did you know that when you, God has set up perimeters not to sin, did you know why? Because if you sin, it will actually destroy your life in many ways. Many ways. You just think about it. Any kind of thing that is wrong, like getting drunk, for instance, it, it destroys you. You've seen somebody who's an alcoholic. It's the saddest thing. Their face is all red from drinking so much. Some can't even think. Going places and doing things you wish you'd never I mean, sex outside of marriage, as much as it's thrown in our face today, it's really sad what happens when people do that. Let's analyze it. What happens when a girl just gives it up time and time and time and time and time and time again? Desensitizes her. Look at a prostitute. Look into her eyes. See if she loves life. It, it, it steals a guy continuing to look at porn over and over and over. Do you know what happens, guys, to your mind? It warps your way of thinking. It now allows you and makes you as, you, as you analyze the world and as you look at every girl, you see them in a different light because it brainwashes you. You've got to get away. When you get married one day, it will hurt your marriage big time because you'll wonder why your wife doesn't look like that and doesn't act like that. You've got to understand what sin does to you. It jacks up your life. It messes with everything. It will ruin you. And that's why I like this picture of famine, sin, Egypt brings you famine. It makes you start starving to death. Pestilence, disease comes upon you like never before. It's really a sad thing when sin sneaks into a camp and into a person's life. It destroys them. It says, if you walk, God says, if you walk away from Egypt, verse 18, you shall be excretion, and astonish, an astonishment, a curse, 
and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. Sounds like hell. You know what living in sin is here on this earth? It's hell on this earth, believe it or not. really is. Let's ask Hugh Hefner if he's happy. You know what he said in an interview? He said, yeah, it looks like I have everything, but there's one thing that I wish that I had. He's got the money, he's got the mansion, and he's got the girls, he's got the power. One thing I wish I had, I wish somebody would love me. He said, none of these girls will ever love me. That's sad. Hell on earth. Many people are living it and experiencing it and just trying just to make it past the next weekend. Why do so many movie stars, famous people, rich, kings, all of the above commit suicide? Because they hate their life. Because sin will destroy you. It is hell on earth. You walk with God, you'll be blessed. Verse 19, three verse, four verses. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt, knowing certainly that I have admonished you this day. For you, disassemble in your hearts. In the margin, if you have the King James, you'll see the note there. It says, or we have used deceit against your souls. When you sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us and we will do. Jeremiah is saying, as he's speaking for the Lord to the people, like if you guys are the people, he's saying this. When you came and asked me to come and pray and you beseeched me to pray, you had deceit in your heart. You were lying to me the whole time. You just wanted it to make... look. You tried to make it look good like you were seeking God, but you were really far from God. You brought deceit. You can't play tricks on God. It's amazing how many Christians will come in with hands lifted high yet live in sin. It's amazing how many Christians will read their Bible every day yet not listen to a single word that comes from it. Did you know that you can hear the word of the Lord and not obey it? Did you know that you could read the words of God every single day and it not change your life because you don't apply it? It's true. These people are hearing the word of the Lord for their life and they are rejecting it. Lord, Lord, we sing the songs, anything you want, all for you. We will do anything we declare. And when God speaks to us, we do completely contrary. Deceit in our heart. God is speaking to us tonight. If you hear the word of the Lord, oh, Oh, if you hear the word of the Lord, oh. James McDonald, one of my favorite pastors, he has written on the outside of his sanctuary of the building, written, it's engraved in the, in the wall there as you walk into the sanctuary, like if you were to walk into Sip's Coffee Shop, outside it says something along these lines. If you hear the word of the Lord, do not harden your hearts. When you come into this building, if you hear the word of the Lord, do not harden your heart. Hear the word of the Lord. Apply it to your life. Jeremiah says, they were just fooling, Jeremiah. They're just playing a game. And verse 21, and now I have this day declared it unto you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for which the Lord has sent me unto you. And I put, wow, oh snap. Verse 22, now therefore, know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, 
and the place whither you desire to go and sojourn. You know what they did? They went to Egypt. They went. They went to Egypt after everything that was said to them. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible that we can hear sermon after sermon, week after week, yet walk back into Egypt all the time? Family, we have got. Listen, please. We have got to start walking in the things that we say we are. If you say you're a Christian, then walk like one. If you don't walk like a Christian, don't say you're a Christian, please. You're ruining it for everyone. If you live like an atheist, then say you're one. If you say you're Christian, please. Don't go back to Egypt. No longer. From this moment on, cut it off. No more in your life. Josh, I don't know if I can do that. That's, that's right, you can't do it. You need God to do it for you. And I'm going to pray that God would give you the strength tonight to start standing for Christ in a way like never before. That you would spit on Egypt. You would forsake all of its ways and that you would never go back to the world. I'm not talking about the country Egypt. I'm talking about the world. And that you would hate sin with all of your heart. You would hate it. Guys, when that lust creeps in your heart, you would hate it with all your heart. I hate this. Get this out of here, Father. I can't deal with this anymore. Girls, when the temptation comes to talk about somebody, or getting caught up in self in some way, shape, or form, I'm not doing this. I hate this about me. I'm getting this out of me right now. I'm going to Father about it. I'm not going back to Egypt. He's delivered me from that. Get your body in check. Don't say to the Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And then live contrary. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please. There's got, is there a generation? Is, please. Is there a generation that will rise up and actually live according to the words and commands of God? Do you know what God would do if we did that? He says it clearly. I will build you. I will plant you. I will protect you. I will heal your land. We got to do something. It starts with us. Father. Oh, Lord, hear our cry. Hear my cry, please, Lord, please. Please, God, do in me the words that I say. God, I'm sick of doing contrary to what you desire. Please, Father, bring more accountability. Please, Father, break me in areas and in ways I have never been broken before so that I rely on you and rest in you. Strip the sin from my life. Help me to cut everything off completely, Father. Give me the strength can't do it without you. 
And I pray the same prayer for this group here, for every single one, God. I pray that they would receive it in the name of Jesus. That they would recognize your power. They would walk in your truth. They would stand for what is right. They would not turn to the right nor the left, but they would stay focused on the things of you. They would bow the knee to all of your commands and all of your calling. God, we say tonight from the bottom of our hearts, don't pray this prayer unless you mean it. Don't you dare pray this prayer unless you mean it. Father, where do you want us to go? Father, what do you want us to do with our lives? Let us know. We lay our lives before you. We give you everything that we have. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you, family. Want the best for you. Want the best for you all the days of your life? Yep. Uh-huh. I think it'll be great when we get to heaven. Be hanging up there. Be talking about the good old days in Sips Coffee Shop. Uh-huh. You remember that? And the Lord will be there. I'm like, Lord, you remember that time? Yeah, I remember. Lord, remember that time, the coffee shop when, you know, this, I remember, I was there, yeah, I know. Isn't that incredible that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, actually knows your name? I just think it's going to be the most epic moment in time for me when I behold the Christ, I stand before him, then I fall to my knees and I bow. He says, Joshua, my boy, well done. It's going to be a grand time. I just can't even fathom or imagine. That's what I live for. That's what I breathe for. And that is our calling moment by moment. So please, go in the name of Jesus Christ, preaching the good news, loving on people, they will know you're Christians by your love for one another. Better not be by your judgment, by your hatred, by anything else, but your love for one another. And when we do that, great things will happen here in Riverside. Amen? We've got a lot of work to do. So Lord be with you. I'll see you next week.